Hi, this is Andrea Borcha. And I'm Charles Wilchin. This is Far Stuff. The Internet of Things podcast. This week on Far Stuff, we explore the internet of activity monitors. People are very much on the health kick right now. And uh, as these, uh, we've seen a plethora of startups and actually big big companies now jump on this bandwagon to find an effective way to monitor activity that isn't too intrusive and actually collects the accurate data that we're looking for to get a good sense of what exactly it is you're doing. Uh, With obesity on on a rise, type 2 diabetes exploding, uh, this is really an interesting way to get into uh, how to use technology to make our lives better and make the healthcare system better. And this is taking it really down at the grassroots level and wellness. Uh, We're not going to try to get into the more advanced health tech that's coming out with the Internet of Things just yet. Right now, let's just focus on the day-to-day fun stuff that you have probably played with out there. Yeah, I was stunned by the number of uh, participants in this market when you compile them all. Yeah. I mean, holy moly. It's pretty expansive. And I feel like every week there's a new company out there with their new, amazing, impressive, very cool watch or band or monitor of some kind. Yeah. And everyone is just terrified, like over the hill. You think you can see a little light and it may be called Apple. Oh, and uh, everyone is just kind of getting, you know, getting ready for that event. Well, with uh, the iPhone and the iWatch and now uh, rumors of the health book. Apple is definitely... uh, Wait, what? You haven't heard of the health book? No. Yes. So um, right now on your iPhone, you have the passbook, Mm -hmm. right? Which keeps your airline tickets and your... I think your information. Sure. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Movie tickets. Right. That Uh sort of thing. They recently leaked that they are trying to develop a health book. So they're sticking their foot in the water uh, with the electronic health record market. So a place that will. Yeah. So we're not exactly sure what the health book is going to be, if it's just going to be the activity tracking and not really get into the medical data. But the fact that they have brought on, I think, Last I heard, 28 medical professionals into the (laughs) Apple ecosystem. My thought is that it's going to be tracking everything else that EHRs are tracking everywhere else. So your prescriptions, your appointments, your accountable care organizations, pretty much your entire medical history, and then tie that with your activity and wellness. And now you've got a complete health picture. Oh, my gosh. So, So this is amazing because no one can get it together. They effectively have the opportunity to privatize health records. Well, I think they're one of many. They're, they're definitely not the only players in the field, and many have tried beforehand. So sure. Google had Google Health, I think, was they, what they, they called it. Yeah, Microsoft has had one that's been floundering a little bit. Right, uh, and Health Pass, and I mean, there, there's been dozens. Um, but, but there were also tons of players in the MP3 and online song purchasing space. That's very true. Before Apple just came in and bid, bam, we'll take that. Thank you. That's true. Uh, But I think the Apple iWatch has not been doing as well as... You know, it's not a thing yet. It's not. It's not. So so what do you mean it's not been doing as well? Well, from the parts that have been leaked, the the rumors are that the technology is just not standing up to our board of uh, crazy wearables out there of activity monitors. Apple Apple leaks fake stuff to put people off the trail. Interesting. As well, so be careful. I could see that. We'll be careful. Yeah, I, I just, I'm not sure that Apple necessarily will have the activity monitor that wins the race. And I think that they don't have to because they could still have the health book and you could have a much better activity monitor. And I, actually, I don't even think it's going to be one activity monitor that wins this race. And if, as we go through the the spectrum out there, you'll see that some are meant for people that have never ran a mile in their life. I'm holding up my hand mm. right now. And then there's many that have uh, that were made for actual athletes, endurance, hardcore, serious athletes. And I don't think that it's reasonable to think that you're going to have one activity monitor that uh, works across that entire spectrum. No, that's a great point. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of form factors. And you're right. There's not one that's going to win. Right. So let's take it back uh, before we get into... Uh, mentioning some of the top players in the field and and start with the basics. What exactly is 
an activity monitor. You know, even further back, okay. we define the Internet of Things in the first episode, and I've heard some good reactions to that. But I, I want to remind folks who are listening to this podcast and may not have heard episode one, uh, what we came up with. So the things of the Internet of Things, they do three things. They connect, they compute, and they communicate. And by connect, we mean that they connect to the outside world via sensors, and they connect uh, with the Internet either directly or through other devices. On the computing side, uh, they're not general purpose computers, but they need to compute. They need to have that kind of computing power. They also communicate and they communicate not only with people, but with web services and even with each other. So the Internet of Things is the ecosystem that results in a world where things compute, connect and communicate. And uh, the activity monitors that we've come up with and this topic in particular hits those three points pretty well. Uh, pretty much all the major activity monitors in this Internet of Things connect really well. Obviously, they, they track what you do and that's how they connect with the outside world. They have some sort of computational capacity. And finally, they communicate. It's the only way that we know how many steps we've taken today Absolutely. and what that means. Yeah, I think I think all these uh, fall into our definition. If not, definitely let's talk about that for sure as we go along. So we're talking about effectively glorified pedometers. In essence, that, that was absolutely the first generation of these smart activity monitors that came out there. They were literally, I mean, if you look at Fitbit, I think it's one of the first ones that made its way into the mm -hmm. market and they really were. The Fitbit uh, One, I think, is the, the cheapest one that they have out there, and it's the first one. And it's literally a pedometer that transmits, yeah. connects to your phone and tells you this is how many steps or to the to the to to your computer through a dongle. And that's all it does. Absolutely. And it's still a nice, um, it's still a nice way to explain what these are to someone who's older and, and maybe, uh, you know, not be able to use an, an iPod but still wants to keep track of their health and improve that aspect of their lives. Yeah, I think the the premises behind this was that people are trying to be healthier. And uh, while food is one massive component in that, the other one is activity, as in just take a couple steps or uh, actively run or swim or bike or do whatever it is that you want to do to make yourself healthy. But track it in a way that something like your phone or an app or a website can then tell you this is how many calories you've burned. This is now how much you are allowed to eat if you're trying to lose weight or get more effective. It's, it's basically trying to take technology and make it into your own personal trainer. And something that we won't talk about a ton today, it's probably worthy of its own show, is it introduces a gamification aspect into health. Gamification is a wide open space with this Internet of Things. It's really fun. I mean, that's I, I know that having worn one for the past um, you know year and a half or so, uh, that's an important thing. You know, it, it really helps to see like uh, Mitchell's ahead of me by how many steps? I'm not going to let that happen, as God is my witness. It, was that your motivation when you were wearing the Fitbit? Occasionally. Okay. Yeah, sometimes. Hey, everyone's motivation is different. Everything works uh, across the board. And I think that's why you see s such a crazy amount of difference between all of these activity monitors. We have some that are a bit more towards the athlete. And of course, you'll be seeing those coming from Nike, uh, Motorola, Garmin, those are a lot more serious. So Motorola has one called the Moto Active, which is really meant for the serious runners. It has the GPS uh, and mapping technology in it, as well as the Garmin VivoFit and Vivoki. Those are kind of the more ones for, for serious runners that want to actually map where they go and, and do that. I mean, there's, there's apps too that do that too so yeah. there's like map my run map mm -hmm. my fitness map my bike and those those also use the gps technology but these are more wearables on that side of things and actually that's a good point to interject that, that one nice thing about these wearables uh, versus using your phone to track where you've run is that a you don't have to carry a phone if you don't want to on a run which can be awkward and b when you do it on your phone it takes uh, a good chunk of battery life that you might not want to spend battery is a big component and a big thought process with all of the ones. I mean, that's one of the things that each of these companies are using as an advertising point is how, what's their battery life? Is it annoying to charge? Do you have to replace batteries? Yes. And I think actually the jury's still out on that, whether it's more annoying to replace watch batteries or to remove it and charge it for mm -hmm. a night and not track what you're doing. 
Uh, you had the Fitbit. Did you have the one that goes on your belt or the one that goes on your wrist? Uh, the one that goes on the belt. And I think it had an adapter that you could put it on your wrist. But in that case, the, um, the, you know, the rechargeable aspect of it was really handy. And then the nice thing is, as they improved the software and made it more efficient, the battery life actually got longer over time, which was cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The, the Fitbit uh, was interesting because uh, you have the dongle that you have to connect into your computer. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have been a bit challenging for people that are a little less tech savvy. Oh, I agree. And it, and it didn't even work that well. The current generation that uses Bluetooth low energy is radically better. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of the ones, uh, and we'll have these all listed out on farstuff.com, all the different ones that we've found as of now, and I'm I'm sure there's more popping up every day. Uh, But yeah, so the the Bluetooth ones, Jawbone Up, actually, uh, I tried that one out for a while, and I actually really liked it. I thought it was fashionable, lightweight. It still has that that weird rubber that a lot of these things Uh like to use. Uh Um, and why, why do you say weird? Uh, well, the, did it get uncomfortable during the day? Or? Yeah. It's just when you, when you're wearing rubber uh-huh. or that, uh, plastic that they use and you're actually trying to work out and you sweat, it's not exactly the most mm. conducive thing to wear. Uh, likewise, you know, the metal bands that, that, that some of these are coming out with, but, uh, basis also had a very rigid, uh, plastic band. That was serious. Yeah. Yeah, basis is pretty serious. Uh, Jawbone Up, I liked. They actually had one really interesting thing that I haven't seen come up too much in the other ones is you could set an alarm for being sedentary too long. So if you were sitting still, every 15 minutes you sat still, it would vibrate at you to remind you, hey, you've been sitting still too long, go take a walk. Wow, that's nice. And and I thought that really met the point. And it's a lot less confusing to charge or to sync up because you just unplug it and plug it right into your phone and it plugs right into the audio jack area of oh, your wow. phone. So that was really easy. Um, the basis is another one I tried and basis actually has an interesting background. One of the key funders of the basis watch is a man named Nadim Kassam who had the opportunity. I had the opportunity to, uh, to meet at South by Southwest, uh, in 2013. And he is also, uh, sponsoring a company or, or one of his other little brainchilds is a company called BioBeats mm-hmm. that has recently, I think, even got Will Smith putting a, a couple mil into it. And his thought is, and, and I'm kind of seeing where this is going. I don't know that how far along they are, but you take the basis watch that actually tracks your heart rate. And uh, I think they're trying to get into the skin temperature perspiration as well. I don't know that they do that mm-hmm. now. They do have some pretty interesting um, algorithms in the back end to try and discern if you're running or biking or walking. But anyway, so the biggest thing is it tracks your heart rate. And then you take BioBeats, which based on your pulse influences the music that you'd be hearing oh, nice. in your headphones. So as you're wearing the basis watch, if you start slowing down, if your heart rate's not where it should, it'll pump up the music in your headphones nice. and get you more active. And if you're going too hard and they need to calm you down, it'll control the music in your headphones and, and pace it down. So Got I kind of see... So if you're running, you hear Moby. If you slow down enough, you hear Kenny Rogers, the gambler. Yes. Well, Perfect. we'll go with that. Yeah. We go from techno to... You know, to pop country. Yes, to Yanni. God. Yes. Oh, oh God. <laughs> we went That's to Yanni. That's when you're dead. <laughs> Yanni plays. Yes. So uh, I, they actually have not put those two things together yet, but I definitely see that's where they're headed. And that'll be a really interesting offer, offering when they get there. And that might be another place where Apple might want to step in or we might see them stepping in because if the iWatch does your heart rate as well and they've already got their music library and yeah. they've already kind of made their own Pandora-esque thing. Yes, they did with their radio service. Yep. So I, you know, that that's going to be an interesting competition there. Uh, another one that I liked was uh, the Misfit Shine, which has been getting a lot of interest because they started moving into the fashionable area. Mm. It's yeah. this little silver dollar silver, <laughs> actually silver little thing that has a couple lights and it's very simple. And you can wear it anywhere, which is, I think, one of the biggest things. You can wear your tiny little UFO anywhere. You can. You can wear it around your neck, uh, uh, on a wristband, Uh uh, on your belt loop, on your shoe. And that's their claim to fame. I don't know if it's actually that accurate. It's also waterproof. So I think they're trying to... But you don't know that it's not accurate. Right. 
it is it is interesting. They I think they are focusing on the right thing. The underlying hardware of all these things is the same. Yes. So fashion is a great way to differentiate. Well, you have to differentiate some way. And and I think that waterproof element, too. Oh, right. Is interesting. Um, but yeah. So so what exactly makes all of these things up so that we can kind of start piecing them together? They are complicated little beasts. They really are. It's it's kind of amazing. Um, Considering how small they are, I, I, I'm actually yeah. really impressed with how much stuff is in each of these things. It's pretty incredible. They have a... Um, so there's a little tiny package, and it holds uh, effectively a motherboard. And on that is the compute power, which is delivered by a microcontroller. There is, more often than not these days, a Bluetooth IC integrated circuit. Which for, makes sense. you got to have a talk to your phone, talk to your PC. Um, more and more phones are coming with Bluetooth low energy built in. You have the uh, battery, of course. That's crucial. With that comes uh, a charger IC for handling charging and other power regulation stuff. Uh, with the uh, space for the Bluetooth, do you think there's any market to start using more of that near-field communication with these things? So just tap your watch to your phone and it'll update rather than using the Bluetooth? Yeah, I think so. In fact, I think it may be the Fitbit One that already does have an NFC tag built in. Interesting. My understanding is though you can't communicate data with that. And so the way that they use it, the theory is you tap your phone to the device or the device to the phone and that initiates the data transfer or actually opens the app itself. Gotcha. So it's kind of more of a kitschy thing, but it doesn't really have the robust nature that you need. And so that's probably why everyone's going with BLE. I think a different use case, and it may be complimentary. If you go with the Bluetooth, you can't tell necessarily that your phone's been tapped to it. Um, But with the NFC tag, you know when they're close and you know when they when they tap because the accelerometer in your phone tells you that. And so that can initiate some useful feature. Interesting. Cool. So along with that stuff, you get you may have Bluetooth LE as the input output for the data. Uh, you may actually have the USB physical connection. Right. Uh, you may even have, I think you mentioned on the Jawbone Up, the audio. Yep. You just... The uh, audio plug was the way they did I.O.? Yeah, absolutely. You just unplug one of the ends of it, and it's got a little audio jack, and you just plug that into your phone, and it, it pulls it in. Jawbone, wow. I think, actually did some really, really good things with usability. I was really impressed with that. Really? Yeah, even their interface on their phone, it was just so easy and simple. Uh-huh. It's not overly robust. I think it's it caters really well to the mainstream audience. Nice. The Fitbit app is also not terrible. Yep. It's pretty good. Uh, certainly nicer than the, uh, than the website. It's certainly simpler. Oh, the Nike app was really fun. When yeah. you, you hit certain goals, it'd, it'd do a really fun, like, fireworks-type display. That's, so that's not bad. That's pretty nice. Yep probably gets into the gamification side of things pretty well. Absolutely. So battery life seems to be one of the the other key differentiating features. Fitbit needs to be charged. Uh, Jawbone needs to be charged. The Misfit Shine actually uses watch batteries. So you just replace them out. One of the... Now, when you say just replace them out, though, how often do you have to do that? I think it's once a month, so it's not oh, terrible. Oh, that's not bad. No, no. It's, it's still a little annoying to get in that little mm-hmm. thing just because the space is so small. I mm-hmm. can't imagine anybody with arthritis or uh, past a certain age being able to open these things very easily. Oh, and interesting. Uh, so I, I really think it's meant more for the younger generations. But I like that you don't charge it because the one thing that drove me nuts when I was using any of the other ones, the Basis, the Jawbone, the Fitbit, Mm -hmm. or the Garmin, uh, was that I I lost some data because you had to charge it overnight. So, oh, oh, interesting. And so you know that you're losing that data. So if you're trying to be good and you're trying to let this thing track what you're doing uh, from your steps to your distance to your calorie burn to your sleep... Uh, to how long you've been exercising, depending on how all of these things are, to lose that little bit just seems like such an easy way to not get back onto it and stop tracking completely. Yeah, I don't track sleep. So for me, the Fitbit, you know, charging process was pretty painless. I could charge it overnight and it would last now for two weeks with the current firmware update, which has been pretty nice. Yeah, so maybe we should mention that. So uh, the basic instance of these things is... They track steps. That was absolutely, at its core level, uh, just a glorified pedometer. Well, and even the steps, interestingly, takes actually a lot of um, processing to get to. That's true. If you want to break it down a little bit further. Yeah, let's do that. They have a few different devices actually inside of them that we didn't didn't quite hit. Okay. They have really four different types of devices. Uh, they have accelerometers, 
They have gyroscopes, they have compasses, and in some cases they have altimeters. Perfect. So the, uh, the accelerometer measures G-force acceleration. So for example, if you're floating in space, <laughs> there would be absolutely no force exerted. But if you're on the surface of the planet Earth, you're, you're actually moving. There's actually a little bit of a G-force exerted on you, um, which you don't think about because it feels neutral. Um, but if there's any variation from the usual, that's all recorded. So the accelerometer is basically the thing that tells my pedometer, my activity monitor, or my phone, because the phones have accelerometers in them as well, yeah. that I've moved from this side of the room to the other. Well, it, all it knows is that there's some force, some there's acceleration some happening. Yeah. Interesting. So even on that very, very low level, there's not even a concept of whether you're walking or, or anything. So it just calculates that there's been some sort of motion it, it just actually it more observes that there's been some sort of motion yeah it's just raw raw information about the the g forces being exerted on you on three different dimensions cool yeah so they call that a three axis accelerometer yes, they do. so the uh the second one you mentioned mm -hmm. uh is what the gyroscope gyroscope that that I know from my video games. Gyroscopes are in <laughs> uh -huh. my video games. That's they, true. Right? And right. They're measuring uh, orientation mm -hmm. based on angular momentum, which is just a fancy way of, of saying that if the thing is rotated, it will know. The idea is that the gyroscope is sort of like a spinning top. It wants to stay in the same place. And if for some reason um, it gets moved or turned, the gyroscope can detect that. So even just with the accelerometer and a gyroscope alone and nothing yeah. else, you could probably, with the right equations, calculate if somebody's been swimming or rock climbing. Very possible. Interesting. Okay. Even with the accelerometer alone, if you were smart enough, you could probably take good guesses. That probably comes more from a long line of pretty good data collection to actually start identifying that this raw data means running and this raw data yeah. means walking. Uh, absolutely. Right. There's, there's lots of measurement against folks who are actually doing tests for the people who are developing the devices. And so they can actually see the characteristics of that data when people are doing all those things. Yeah, definitely. So the altimeter is pretty interesting because I think Fitbit was actually one of the first to use it effectively on your Fitbit, it will tell you how many stories you've walked up or down uh, in the day. So yeah. my Fitbit would tell me that I've walked 10 stories up today. I think that helps round out the data a little bit because now you can actually. Uh, so so how how does oh, that work absolutely. together? Yeah, that's I mean, that's another great metric to try to like encourage you to use the stairs in the in the parking ramp. The last major one is uh, the compass, which measures uh, orientation. But unlike the gyroscope, it does it relative to the planet Earth. So you have kind of the relative orientation of the gyroscope, uh, plus this absolute orientation that the compass gives you for a really good picture of where you are and how you're moving in space. And that's really where Garmin started entering the picture with their extensive experience with GPS tracking. I, I think it just seemed oh, natural actually, for them. No, that's actually, that would be number five. Really? Yeah. So the... Um, these are all kind of things that live on your person, but with those other ones, the accelerometer, the gyroscope, the compass, um, you don't necessarily know where you are. The compass tells you where you're pointed, but you're right. With this addition of the GPS, you also know where on the surface of the earth you are. And that's where you get those cool commercials where you've got map my run and map my ride showing exactly the path you've gone and then you can send it to your yeah, friends. Absolutely. Post it to Facebook and brag. Right. Make, right. make the rest of us feel like big losers. <laughs> no, I'm sure that's not the point. I thought you were just saying you were motivated by that. type. I am very motivated, except when people do very much better than I do. <laughs> and that's a whole nother conversation. Right, that's to have. the psychological aspect. Right. Right. Okay. So, with these major parts, you have the accelerometer, the altimeter, the compass, the GPS, and the gyroscope. We've now moved it to five things. Uh, we put all those things together, and most of the major players out there actually do all five in their own unique ways. But what actually makes them unique? True. Well, in, in their how they're placing them spatially, right? Some are watches, some are uh, things that you put on your waste some are things you put oh, on your sure. shoe yeah. some are 
most of them are actually watches. And then you've got the shine, which just likes to be its own thing. Uh-huh. Entirely. It's UFO. It's this tiny little UFO. Yep. Uh, there was even the Strive Play, which tried to focus more on the mini games and the social personal challenges, uh, less so on the technology, uh, trying to overshadow it with the gamification stuff. Ah. And the Withings Pulse, uh, Withings actually, I, I think, is a pretty strong contender in the health field. I do too. I'm really interested in that, actually. They did some really, really cool stuff with their scale. I mean, their smart scale is pretty impressive. Yeah, I've used it for a couple years now. Now they came out with their own uh, called the Withings Pulse that you just keep in your pocket. And it's just this little square thing that's like an an inch by Mm -hmm. half an inch. Mm -hmm. And it's got a cool little screen and you can keep it in your pocket. And that's one of the arguments, though, with these five major components is where can you get the most accurate collection of data? So then your algorithms that determine what this data actually means can can really do their best. And I know that's been a big discussion with a lot of these different uh, manufacturers Mm -hmm. because People don't necessarily want to wear these things where it would be best to wear them to get the most accurate data. Yeah. We saw this with some companies that were trying to do the um, ankle or uh, shoes or that sort of thing. Really? Yeah. Well, because I, I, I'm not sure that everyone wants to wear something on their shoe. Um, sure. But even with Fitbit, the mm-hmm. one on your, on your waist, the, the biggest complaint I heard about the Fitbit is that you put it on your shorts while you were working out and then you'd throw your shorts in the washing machine and there went your Fitbit. I have washed at least one Fitbit. And to their credit, they were very generous. Well, that I, I, I'm sure you appreciated that. For sure. Yeah, the different form factors are, are crucial. Like you said, I'm happy with the Fitbit because I can throw it in the coin pocket of my jeans and just forget about it except when I wash the jeans obviously but like you said um you know there's really a space for the misfit shine you said you really like the look of it and as far as wearing it around your neck you're totally cool with that yeah around your neck or on your shoe so if I want to be more accurate so I feel like maybe that's the that's the big distinction as a consumer if I know I'm about to go into a workout where I want to get absolute credit for everything I do for every burpee for every sit up for every push up for every pull up. Mm -hmm. I want to get accurate credit for that. I'd be happy to wear it wherever you want me to wear it. But if I'm, if you want me to track my day to day steps as I'm running around, picking up the kids, going to work, then, you know, it has to be something that works with my day to day life. And I think that's why the watch thing has been such a craze because it's, it's so much easier. You just put on a watch, it tells your time and and it also tracks all this other stuff that you want it to do. Yeah. And it's socially acceptable. Very much unlike Google Glass. Yes. I can wear a watch and it can be goofy and it can still be perfectly okay. Yep. And you can't wear the Google Glass yet without, oh my gosh. without no, getting they, accosted on the street. Oh, and the, and the, the poor people doing it, I, they probably mean well. I know. they Or they, they like the attention, which is also <laughs> they a They like the attention. That could be a feature. I'm sure. Uh, so have oh So did we miss anything else on the inside of these things, the hardware? No, that really covers it. You know, they have a, uh, often they have a little uh, vibrator piece for doing feedback, for doing alarms, as like you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. But that's about it. As far as the accuracy goes, though, um, they actually test these things against th- these really expensive, giant uh, things that people will actually strap to their backs. Wow. While they're also wearing the device that's being tested. And these devices will do things like measure the gas composition of your breath to very accurately determine how many calories you're burning. Wow. So... They call these truth devices. Uh, So when these guys are testing the devices with the software algorithms that they've created, they're testing against these devices that the folks are wearing at the same time. And they're kind of monitoring that curve to make sure that the data they come out with matches the data of this very expensive truth equipment. And how how do they do against the truth equipment? Well, the goal is that they're always improving. Okay. So, so uh, for example, if you're the product manager of Fitbit and you're monitoring your accuracy, the goal is to increase that metric over time. But there's some really hard parts of these devices, which is you're getting a stream of data that looks like nothing. How do you turn that stream into a step? How do you know if the user is walking versus running? How do you know if they're even awake? Uh, these are all things that the software does. And unlike the hardware, the hardware is actually the same among all these devices, more or less. 
They're all getting uh, accelerometers from the same people. They're all getting, you know, compass parts from the same people. So the software is what really makes these unique. Yeah. And I know there's a bit of a challenge as well going on with the software into even identifying an individual based on the algorithm so that we knew by the gate of your step sure. who you were. Absolutely. So that, that's another one that's coming up in this uh, software war. Well, it, you know, the funny thing is on a very, very simple level, the Withing Scale does this. So it knows when it's my wife or when it's myself because I weigh twice as much as my wife. <laughs> But um, the idea is the same. I think the Withing scale uh, will actually identify up to six different people before so it reaches its limit. So yeah. that's pretty good. Absolutely. So even your kids can jump on there and yeah. it would know the difference. And I've heard that they're actually trying to get more into the type 2 diabetes realm, mm -hmm. possibly, because a lot of people step on this scale with uh, bare feet and oh. maybe doing some sort of assessment uh, as to the bottom of your foot and the skin and the telemetry there, which would wow. be pretty interesting. That would be great. The great thing about Withings is that they really have their pulse uh -huh, on uh, the whole spectrum of devices to have an ecosystem for health. Some of these guys don't. They're really limited to just the device itself. But folks like Withings and to some degree Fitbit, they have multiple devices and uh, that stuff works together really nicely. Well, I think as we said at the beginning, there's definitely a lot of different markets that these companies could fall into. There, there's a huge difference between the serious athlete and the person that, you know, has been raising and lowering their weight, uh, trying to lose all their weight and then mm -hmm. get it back and then lose all their weight again. They, I mean, these are such completely different markets. Yeah. And I think you're right. The, the software is one way that they can make a difference. If they can prove that they're the most accurate with their particular market segment. So if they're aiming at the general population, and, uh, you know, basis claims that they have this body IQ mm -hmm. uh, where they can accurately identify if you run, bike or walk. Misfit Shine also says that they can track the different levels of activity, biking, running, swimming, mm. cycling. So if you're one of these companies and that's you're aiming for the general public, mm -hmm. that might be your accuracy push. Um, I think you also mentioned the gamification. Yeah. That might be the interesting one. When you go to the other end of the spectrum where you're getting into the high endurance athletes, the mm -hmm. Olympians. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's as important that they accurately identify the difference between the biking and the running and right. the swimming in a general sense. I think it's more accurate that they identify what your body's doing when you're doing those particular activities. Like what's your heart rate, right. your, your perspiration, your skin temperature, the amazing amounts of stuff going on in your body and identifying yeah. it in a way that makes sense to somebody that is a hardcore athlete and needs to absolutely know to keep their heart rate at exactly 122 right. to, to be most effective. We've mentioned, you know, five things they measure, but come on, in the future, I have no doubt you're going to be swallowing something that identifies how your digestion is doing Ooh. and how your colon is functioning. Are we comfortable with that? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't help me, you know, does it help me become a better functioning old person? I, I guess so. Yeah. And well, yeah, I guess so. There, there's a lot of interesting uh, companies out there moving more into actually the wearable clothing. Versus the unwearable clothing. Right. I hate it when I buy <laughs> unwearable clothing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, clothing that is part of this wearable category Got for it. activity monitors, uh, that that's another really hot one that's r recently exploded. We have uh, a lot of the... Uh, Squid Fitness. Uh, There's another one, Hexoskin, that made a, some waves on Indiegogo recently. Under Armour, which is a pretty big player already in the athletic wear yeah. world, uh, recently partnered with a company called Zephyr mm -hmm. to uh, create sensor-equipped compression shirts, which, right. which might be a, a really interesting to watch. The one I think that appealed to me the best is this one called AIQ Bioman Fabric, which right now does your uh, heart rate, your respiration, and your skin temperature. Wow. So let me envision this. Sure. So there's this clothing. Presumably it has sensors all over the clothing Well, or, or multiple sensors throughout. So that that's the biggest thing that's happening with these. Some of these are shirts that mm -hmm. happen to have sensors on them. Got it. So it'd almost be a shirt with a Fitbit built in. Kind of like okay. a, a, well, more of a series of Fitbits Got that it. then connect and communicate with each other okay. 
to send in enough information to figure out exactly. So if you've taken a step, for example, mm-hmm. or moved your arms, uh, your right arm sensors would communicate with your chest sensors to let it know that it's moved that much distance away from your chest sensor. And based on the algorithms right. and that distance, it would calculate that you've moved your arm. So that's one way they're doing it. The Bioman fabric, though, from what I understand, the sensors are actually built into the fabric itself. So it's kind of creates an a perfect net of sensors where the entire thing itself is actually one giant sensor that then connects across to all the different parts rather than individual points. And does this clothing have some sort of like tiny pocket for the brains of the clothing or how does that work? That's the part I think they're still trying to figure out that most of these still have something where that, that needs to communicate back. But in essence, they want the fabric to be smart enough to collect the data. And Mm -hmm. then when you're done with the shirt, you'd take it off and you'd put it somewhere and it would transmit the information. Maybe when you wash it, maybe it would talk to the washing machine. (laughs) Are any of these actually commercially available or are they experiments in the lab? Um, some of these are pretty available right now. I know that they're doing some pretty good testing with the Under Armour one. Mm-hmm. And that one has a sensor, which is about the size of a tennis ball if you cut it in half and just pasted to the middle of the shirt. And that does all the communicating and collects an amazing amount of metrics. Wow. And they're already using that with athletes, Neat. active professional athletes uh, to help their coaches and trainers learn how to maximize their performance. And the doctors are also starting to spot warning signs like, oh, now you're watch out for your dehydration and to, to avoid, you know, the issues that yeah. they've had with cardiac arrest. Wow, nice. Yeah. So that one's pretty impressive. Uh, Squid Fitness uh, is working on a monitoring shirt that's tracking the electrical pulses mm-hmm. in your muscles. And they've partnered with Nike Plus and Northwestern University. So that'll be another interesting one to watch. Um, But that kind of monitors something different. That one's actually tracking the electrical pulses, which I think they're trying to learn how athletes' muscles work Mm -hmm. versus the Under Armour one, which I think is much more about the ultimate monitoring of the human body when it's pushed to an extreme of a highly highly trained athlete. Well, and presumably you could combine those things to kind of understand cause-effect you know, the, the connection between muscle motion and, and the results. So if one thing's measuring, you know, effectively instantaneous muscle stimulation and the other's mentioning, you know, the relatively slow effect on the body. Yeah. That'd be an amazing, it, an amazing picture. Basically with all this data, we're creating our ultimate athlete, our perfect human being. It's about time. I know. It'll change the way you watch football, I'm sure. I mean, the funny thing is that everybody in the Olympics is effectively bionic. They're all wearing clothing that helps them do the sport they're doing. You know, for example, we've seen with the Under Armour at the Olympics this year, they actually created, I think, a swimming... I I forget. They actually created some form of clothing that had a vent in the back that was intended to release heat from the athlete's body. But they discovered that it was actually causing some drag and slowing people down. And so they're they're doing something where they're trying to actually replace the clothing mid-Olympics, which is unprecedented. Wow. But so all these folks, um, there's really an implication that if you don't also have the clothing yeah. that helps you perform the best, you can't compete at this level. And this will just reinforce that. Absolutely. And it'll be interesting. Even Sensoria Fitness only focuses on building smart socks for runners that monitor exactly what every part of your foot is doing while you're running. Wow. So like I said, there, there's a huge spectrum here, right? Yeah. Because if you're just, you know, your average person just trying to get healthy here and there, yep. you're, you're not going to need socks that tell you exactly how to run more effectively. But if you're diabetic and there's something in the sock... That would actually that be monitor a, blood pressure. That or, would be sorry, huge. Blood sugar, maybe. Well, uh, to monitor when your feet are at risk. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So hopefully, all this stuff will trickle down. Yeah. To us in a useful way. I, I think. I, I think if we're all coming at it from a, a bunch of different ways, it, it'll get interesting. Notch uh, is another one where they had ten different sensors and they were doing athletic training. My thought is that if you get into this Under Armour thing mm-hmm. or GOW trainer, GOW trainer, I'm not sure which way it is. Uh, they were another website that had some pretty interesting stuff. You start getting into that hardcore athletic stuff. Anything you learn from that can only help the algorithms that you'd find in your Fitbit yeah. or your Shine. That's a really interesting point because one of the problems with quote unquote big data out in the world when you use it to monitor a product is it's hard to winnow that down into something that's actionable 
And so we're going to be creating a ton of data just from everyday living and everyday activities. And so the genius of this is, well, it's fine that you have all this raw data, but how do you actually make that interesting, valuable how do you use it to improve the quality of your life? And I think that's why a lot of people are focusing on the app themselves and and the actual interaction that you have with users mm-hmm. to make sure that it's the most effective. I think we're inundated with an unprecedented amount of information about what you should and shouldn't be doing to be healthy. Yeah. And I think that actually makes things harder because it almost feels like you spend two hours on Google and you literally are not allowed to eat anything and you're moving the wrong way and you're just killing yourself and That's it's true. awful. Yeah. It's so depressing. I think if we get one of these companies to come out and create something really innovative mm-hmm. that embraces who you are and uh, can, in a nice way that that teaches you what you should and shouldn't be doing, it'll be a good thing. Uh, yeah. There was one company that I thought was interesting that's taking this monitoring uh, phase mm-hmm. and actually making it into an exercise program. So it's called the Tau Tau T A O Well Shell, which uh, uses the biometric um, wearables, the clothing, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, to pit your muscles against each other. So it uses it for your isometric workout. And so you can use that and based on your phone, it'll tell you how you should and shouldn't be working out and what exercises you should be doing based on what your wearable is collecting. So I think that's probably where you're going with that is, mm. is the most effective way yeah. to teach you something. Well, and, and like that's an interesting thing because that might be approaching it from a completely different angle as someone else. Yeah. A lot of people I think right now are focused on how do I make my thing the smartest thing in the Internet of Things or how do I make it the coolest mm-hmm. and most fun thing? But Tao actually focused on this. We want you to train. Why don't we use this information to teach you how you should be training better? So when will I be prescribed Internet of Things Ooh. to address some sort of problem? I, it's coming, right? I would say that's already happening if you actually get into the health world itself. Really? Uh, yeah. So a, a lot of people are being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and are, I don't know if prescribed is quite the word sure. I would use, um, but they are being pushed to apps like uh, MyFitnessPal uh-huh. to start learning how to track their calories and their activity. And you know, even using something as simple as a Fitbit that just tracks your steps and uses its altimeter to tell you how many stories you've walked up today. I mean, that's it. I think it doesn't need to be that complicated for the average person that wants to get healthy uh, at this point, because most of these people haven't done anything to be healthy. So anything is better than nothing. Good point. (laughs) Um, when you start getting into the athletic world where you start being much more competitive, where you want to race, where you want to, uh, really get more effective that I think that's a completely different market. Although there has been talk about using these wearable, uh, fabrics, these biometric fabrics that track your heart rate, respiration, skin temperature, on possibly on people to help them detect illness. Mm. So it might vibrate if, uh, if it's worried that your temperature's getting too high. So if you were going to put, you know, I think the next realm with that would maybe be hospital gowns or uh, oh, more right. tight-fitting clothing for people that are living at home with certain diseases where you need to be concerned that if their temperature goes too high, if they mm-hmm. start... Um, having trouble breathing, if they start perspiring too much, if their skin temperature gets out of control, yes, that would that could instantly alert their physician. Yeah, I think we've established that in the future we'll all be wearing smart unitards. <laughs> so, and that's why in every futuristic movie, uh-huh. the aliens are always wearing all silver, yes. right? That full silver bodysuit. We now know why, yeah. and now we know why in Star Trek: The Next Generation they were yes. all wearing very tight clothing because they're all wearing Under Armour. That's right. That's they're all wearing intelligent clothing. That's exactly what it was. Uh, there was a, a, another cool one, kind of a little bit more off topic that I thought was really neat. It's called the Trace. Mm-hmm. And it was made for people that do the board sports. So the surfers and the skateboarders and the skiers and the snowboarders. And rather than it going on you to track your activity, since we are talking about activity monitors, uh-huh. it's still officially an activity monitor. It goes on the board and it was tracking um, some pretty cool things. Dude, that sounds sick. Yeah, it was so sick. <laughs> 
The trace tells you things like the length of your ride, the max speed, your air height, calories burned, even how sharp your turns are when you're a surfer. Nice. If you're a skateboarder, it can identify the tricks, break them down, jump height, landing quality, max speed, board rotation, vertical tricks. Very, I mean, it, it's incredible. Mm. And I think that actually can take that whole sport realm, X Games area to a whole new level. So you're tracking what your body's doing, but then you're tracking what your board's doing as well. Wow. You know, so what's crazy is that it's, it seems inevitable that in the future, at some point, those could be used to actually determine scores. Wow. That would be... A Why very not? Contentious argument. I'm no, sure. No, totally objective data. It's true. I, I think, but yeah, football has gotten very objective, and I mean, you've got the video. You know exactly what happened. Well, when they still leave it to the refs to decide what happened. Does every helmet have an accelerometer built into it? Oh, that's a good question. If not, come on. Yeah. Well, and so Why in that not? realm, not only do you have your entire uniform mm -hmm. for your sport mm -hmm. and all your protective gear is smart and all the equipment you use in your sport right. is smart at right. that point i mean you could essentially completely geek out not watch the sport and just watch the data feed and yeah. probably know more about what's going on in the sport than the people actually watching i the know sport. people that do that with baseball they have they the really? mlb apps and stuff mm -hmm. and the mlb app will actually kind of simulate uh like a 3d view of the ball game based on what's happened you know someone steals first You'll see that on the screen, not as video, but as little avatars. Um, so, yeah, you could get an amazing kind of interactive view of the game and talk about enhancing safety and performance. That'd be incredible. That would take you to a whole new realm, though, wouldn't it? It would almost be like everyone uses a smart baseball bat. Mm -hmm. and whoever hits the ball mm -hmm. the best with the smart baseball bat. Oh, my God. So baseball is already really a data intensive sport, mm -hmm. as we've seen from movies like Moneyball. Yes. Imagine having that data and being able to create even more like correlations and causations and, and trying to manage the team that way. It would be a crazy world, but I can definitely see it happening. It's I think happen. there's so much money in professional right. athletics. I mean, there's just no way that this technology isn't going to go there first. But I, I definitely appreciate the fact that there's still a huge push to hit the general public with as much data as they yes. can. Yeah. So that we too can get healthy, even though we're not going to be the next Olympic gold medalist. No, absolutely. And I'm sure a lot of this technology is being tested in the military as well. And oh, between sure professional that. sports and the military, a lot of this will trickle down. And thank goodness. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because they've actually there. I read a story recently that the military is testing out Under Armour type, basically clothing mm -hmm. that makes a soldier superhuman. It gives them superhuman. I know it sounds ridiculous, but they the military no, has, I just want some. has actively, uh, well, it's been leaked that the military is actively testing smart clothing uh -huh. that gives you superhuman strengths. It's very Look, timely. We all want to be Iron <laughs> Well, we all want to be Iron Man. Right, right. So, yes, bring so it. It only makes sense that not only are we doing absolutely everything to monitor your activity in every possible way imaginable, now we go to the next step and enhance your activity to make it the most effective that it can oh, be. Yes. And then we won't need you anymore. We'll just have the, uh, the clothing do all the work for you. You just <laughs> Still need needs a brain. Uh, does it though? <laughs> does it really? That's true. We did talk about that. Maybe not at Maybe some point. Not. But yeah, so basically uh, th there's been a lot of talk with all of these activity monitors where essentially you as an individual create your own personal health network yes. where everything connects together mm -hmm. and you're aware of what's going on in your body and at all times. Yeah. And that helps you create a better picture of who you are. It's, it's huge. So I have been doing this for, like I said, a year and a half, maybe two years. And just the awareness it creates is valuable. Absolutely. So I use the Fitbit, but I don't like obsess over the stats. But the fact that I look them over regularly, the fact that I uh, weigh myself almost daily, it forms this awareness that I have never had about my own health. And it's helped me make huge changes. I evangelize it to everybody. Perfect. So 
that's how I, I guess we'll, uh, we'll go out for this episode on activity monitoring. Yeah. That uh, it's definitely something worth checking out. Take advantage of the Internet of Things and pick up some sort of activity monitor and download one of those free apps on your phone that tracks your steps. And oh, start. quick side note before we go out. On okay. that topic, the uh, Fitbit folks recently released a version of their app that takes advantage of the M7 Motion coprocessor on the iPhone 5S. So you can actually get a lot of this data without actually buying anything, which I'm not sure is a brilliant business strategy. But yeah, try it out for a month, see what happens. That M7 coprocessor allows people with the iPhone to actually be collecting data all the time without hugely affecting battery life. And so you can try it out, see how you like it, see if that kind of awareness of your day-to-day activity helps. Well, even the Google Android has free apps as well that track your steps and and send you little notifications when you hit your 10,000 steps per day that you should be hitting on minimum. And uh, that's true. You can set goals. At the very least, uh, one of the most basic and universal activity monitors that we should mention is your phone. Yes, it's uh, the, the M7 makes a nice difference in that your phone's effectively asleep while this M7 coprocessor is continuously collecting data. But to your point, you're right. Every phone can be used to track your activity. And then if you like it, great. There's tons of options for continuing that good effort. Yep. Just check out your app store on Android or iPhone and download it and start tracking your steps. Start learning a little bit more about your activity. And when you get addicted to it and you get a lot more excited about it, then you can go out and buy something more effective uh, and something fashionable since uh, (laughs) even Fitbit now is partnering with uh, Tory Burch to try and make things more fashionable. Or if you check out Kickstarter, uh, they have the Pebble Steel, which is stainless steel and leather bands to try and make it sexy and yeah, cool. Yeah, it supposedly looks nice. Yeah. That's... I may be looking at the wrong device, though. <laughs> Don't know. Ah, fashion is always about personal perception. Right. Thank you for joining us. You have been listening to Far Stuff, the Internet of Things podcast. You can find us on the internet at farstuff.com and at farstuff on Twitter. Get in touch with us using the contact form at farstuff.com or email us at podcast at farstuff.com. And this brings us to the end of our thing. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Oh, I didn't talk about the underwear. Yeah. Recording? Um, yes. <laughs> That's a good start. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I figured I should. I'm so excited. You're, you're I'm driving this boat. Cool. Cool.